National Parks Traveler. Postcards from the Parks. Jennifer Bain at the SS Klondike National Historic Site in Whitehorse, Yukon to meet Terry Carlson, the only shipwright on the staff of Parks Canada. He's restoring the rotting Atlan Barge, which was built in 1934 and has been dry docked here for decades. Terry is also going to tackle the 1937 SS Klondike, which is one of Canada's last remaining steam-powered paddle wheelers. This site celebrates the era when the rivers were the highways in the Yukon between the 1860s and 1950. So tell me, um, tell me what this is. So this is the Atlan Barge. This, this particular one is, uh, was rebuilt in 1935 for the original Atlan Barge. And uh, as usual, you know, during the gold rush, these types of items are just tools, right? Mm-hmm. They just used them for hauling freight. So this is the last one left in the Klondike. There was, I don't know, there was lots. I think there was upwards of 50. And after the kind of the gold rush was over, the Alaska Highway went in and the paddle wheelers kind of seen their last day. A lot of the barges got sold off to private companies and stuff. So they just ran them into the ground and probably left them on the beach where they sank. This one came back to us, I think in the seventies. And it's the last, it's basically the last remaining one. So there's, there's no more. How did it come back to you? What to be? Well, I think it, well, it went to private hands. And then I think Parks recognized that, you know, this is kind of the last barge that's left. We better get a hold of it. So I don't know how they got it. It was probably so badly derelict. And the owner's like, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I did find out recently because, you know, I worked on a lot of wooden schooners, ocean-going tugs. You know, I mean, the the whole gap. This was probably the worst. I couldn't figure out why it was busted up so bad. It just didn't make sense. And then I got an email the other day. An old fella back in the 50s was, I think he was like 14 or something. He was standing up on the bank. And the first big diesel shovel that came into the Yukon was put on this. And it went through the deck. So it broke the back of the barge, which is why everything was completely destroyed. So it's been a bit of a war getting this thing reconstructed. But... Being the last one of its kind, I think it's important that we restore and, and preserve this kind of stuff, right, for, for future generations. And it's a good it's a good starter or it's a good it's a good starting learning point for the crew on boat building. It's very simple, but it still requires some steam bending and you gotta understand lines and rakes and shears and all that kind of stuff. So You work with a crew of how many? I got three guys. Three people. And they're all Parks Canada? Correct. Yeah. So traditionally, they would contract all this stuff out. And I'm just like, how are we going to maintain this stuff into the future if we have to continue to rely on contractors, which there's not many wooden boat builders left anymore that work on stuff of this scale. So I'm like, the only way forward is to start training ourselves internally and learning how it's done. And then, you know, they have to pass that knowledge on to a future crew and then you know we can maintain this stuff well into the future right so are you the only shipwright then for parks all of canada? parks canada yeah for all of parks canada wow and when you say that there's not many wooden boat builders working on this scale meaning this is a small scale this two, means two this small? is a big one that this that's is a big this scale. is probably i would say right now in north america that's the largest wooden boat restoration that's happening this the ss klondike, the SS klondike 240 feet it's about 75 feet tall at the top of the stack, 40 feet wide. 
it's it's a big job and wooden boat buildings going by the wayside you know there's not much more of it happening anymore the older wood boats on the on the coast and stuff are you know they're at the point where most people don't want to fix them so they just get stuck in a dumpster so it's a lot of aluminum steel fiberglass carbon fibers things like that right and you know the, the wood product isn't as really readily available anymore as it was back in the day it's a very specific grade of wood that goes into boat building what is tell me about the wood well it's got to be old growth number one so tight ring no sap no knot straight grain for all the steam bending and stuff that you have to do with the planking or the deck beams or and it's less prone to rot and it's got to be air dried so when you buy the the big lifts of wood everybody's like oh we're gonna get work and we're getting no no actually we got to wait for about a year and a half two years for this stuff to season in order to use it in the boat right so it's quite the process right what type of wood is it so these traditionally were all douglas fir and the reason why they were all Douglas fir is because back in, at the turn of the century and stuff, they were logging vast amounts of it. It was all in the valley bottoms. It was the easiest tree to get a hold of. Structurally, it's very sound, but it is prone to rot. And so if it was traditionally Douglas fir, what is it now? So I'm going to be using yellow cedar, which is more readily available, very structurally sound, and has a high degree of rot resistance. So the longevity of the vessel is going to—it's going to see a lot more years before things have to be replaced. So, and I've done lots of—it's funny because uh, a lot of guys talk about you know Douglas fir. It's the only thing to use for framing, but I've done a lot of ocean-going tugs from the turn of the century, and they're all framed in yellow. All the internal structure is yellow. Right? It has a lot more, more movement. So unlike a building, a boat's got to be like. It's got to be able to move on all its axes at one time. They tend to last a lot longer. And is it sourced from Canada or where do you have to go Correct, yeah. Most of it comes from west coast of BC. A lot of the wood that you see in these vessels actually came from Oregon. Oregon? Oregon, yeah. Bigger logging uh, operations, more readily. Timber was more readily available than in BC at that time. So the Douglas, the original Douglas fir is the stuff that's from Oregon. Correct. Oh. And you're working on both? Yeah. Both of these? Yeah. Right. I've been given the go-ahead to do the restoration on the boat. So uh, going to be pulling the whole wharf out uh, before winter, sculpt all the soil back. It's all going to be hoarded in. Big scaffolding operation. One of the biggest things about the boat right now is that it's covered in lead paint. And it's right beside a fish-bearing stream, Ooh. you know, the main artery of the Yukon. Yeah. So that's one big one. And the other one is, in order to work on the boat, you know, with impunity, be able to do what you want to do, uh, you got to have it. It's got to be free of lead. Or every time you go touch it, you got to hoard a huge section in. It's like Chernobyl, right? So to avoid that, to see productivity increase and give us the ability to maintain the vessel over a long period of time, the lead has to be abated. So. But the idea with this thing is to get it to the point where I can have the public up in that wheelhouse and enjoy the full boat, right? Like, enjoy the whole cater events out of the observation lounge, you know, high tea it on Wednesday. And oh, I built the little theater up top. So the dream, my dream is this, is that people can get married or have a corporate event in there. They can go up into the observation lounge, have the reception or the dinner or whatever's happening. Then they'll have the outlet barge. They can have the, the band and the dance floor or 
whatever else you want on this. And then hopefully I can get it to the point where I can have people stay on the boat overnight in some of the staterooms. But more importantly, it's, it's about letting the, the public enjoy something that's, you know, such an important part of the heritage, right? And right now, most of it's shut down due to structural issues that don't conform to, you know, today's standards, right? So, but when I'm done, this is going to be the crown jewel of Parks Canada right here. I guarantee it. It's going to blow people's minds how awesome this is going to be. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization providing daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit us at nationalparkstraveler.org.